Hello and welcome to the Parkview podcast. I'm Paul Hunk, investment analyst at Parkview, and joining me is Usama Himani, CIO of the firm. In this week's episode, we are joined by a very special guest in Professor Steve Hankey. Steve is a professor of applied economics and founder and co-director of the Johns Hopkins Institute for Applied Economics, Global Health, and the Study of Business Enterprise. He is a contributor at the National Review and a currency and commodity trader. Professor Hankey served on President Reagan's Council of Economic Advisors, has been an advisor to five foreign heads of state and five foreign cabinet ministers, and held a cabinet-level rank in both Lithuania and Montenegro. And with that, I will hand over to Osama. Thank you, Paul, for the introduction. At the personal level, I'd like to say that, that um, Steve has been a friend for more than 30 years from the time I was a student at Johns Hopkins University and, and he was my professor. And two things I appreciate the most about him are first that he, he he's a straight talker. And the second is that he's a consistent champion of personal and economic freedoms when many economists are seduced by interventionism. Now, now Lebanon, I think, is, is going to be the topic for, for this podcast, and, and Lebanon is going th- through a deep, multifaceted crisis. The magnitude of the adjustment that needs to be made is staggering as a, as a share relative to the GDP of the country. But none of what we are seeing in terms of issues is unprecedented. We've seen this movie many times in many countries, and, and Steve has advised governments in many previous crises. So, so it, it, it's a pleasure to, to talk to Steve today regarding his reaction to the Lebanese uh, government's economic plans. You know, um, they, the, the Lebanese government did publish a plan and, and you've argued uh, that the plan will fail because it has no means to fix the Lebanese pound. Now, the question that, that comes to my mind, why how would you want to anchor the Lebanese pound? And, and why would you anchor the Lebanese pound um, at a time when, when you know, shortly after a time when the recent experience with, with a currency peg um, is not, it's not ending ha- happily. It's, it's actually having led to a big, big crisis. Well, uh, thank you for inviting me. Usama, of course, as usual, it's a pleasure to be talking with you and uh, Paul. Uh, the, the, the first question uh, is, is actually a very interesting one because most people are always confused about the distinction between pegged exchange rates and fixed exchange rates. Now, Lebanon had a peg. Uh, the pound was, 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 in fact, pegged to the dollar, but pegged exchange rates always end in, in tears. And the reason for that is the following. With a pegged exchange rate, they, you have both an exchange rate policy at the central bank, the peg, and a monetary policy. That is, If you look at the balance sheet of a central bank with a pegged exchange rate, it contains two things on the asset side of the balance sheet. It contains foreign exchange and it contains domestic assets. And if you are allowed to move those domestic assets around, increase them, decrease them, and so forth, you have a discretionary monetary policy. 
And as a result of having a discretionary monetary policy, you have, as I stated, a monetary policy and an exchange rate policy. And those invariably end up in conflict. And they end up in conflict when the foreign reserves start declining and, and to make up for that decline in the foreign reserves, uh, again, on the asset side of the central bank's balance sheet, the central bank starts buying domestic paper and they start building up the domestic, net domestic asset position that they have on the balance sheet to offset the decline that they're losing foreign reserves. So, so in essence, you know, the, the issue is you're, you're trying to control both the, the problem with, with the uh, uh, pegged rate is that you're trying to control the, the quantity and the price at the same time, right? Yeah, the yeah exactly, exactly. And the price that, of money. That's, that's, that's a very succinct and, and perfect way to put it. And, and what you have with a fixed exchange rate, a real fixed exchange rate you, on the Technically, on the asset side of the balance sheet of the central bank, you only have one thing, foreign, foreign exchange. Or if you do have domestic assets, they're frozen and can't be moved around. So you, so you have no discretion. You have no monetary policy. The only thing this, the monetary authority does is it guarantees that the fixed exchange rate will be held and, and it will be freely convertible, whatever the domestic currency, if it's a Lebanese pound against some reserve currency like the US dollar, the fix would be in and, and, and the monetary authority would just be guaranteeing the exchange rate and that's it. They, they wouldn't have no, no control over, 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 over prices, uh, excuse me, over quantities. The, over quantity quantity. Be, uh, the quantity would be automatically determined, you see. What, exactly. what you would have, what you would have in, in a fixed exchange rate, you have in a supply and demand context, you have a completely elastic supply curve at the fixed exchange rate, whatever it is. And the quantity then, the quantity of high powered money in the system is just determined by changes in the demand for that high-powered money because the supply would be completely elastic. So you can do that with, with what's called a currency board system. That is a fixed exchange rate system. A currency board has a fixed exchange rate. It has no monetary policy. Its domestic currency is a clone of an anchor currency. It's a perfect clone because the domestic currency is backed 100% with uh, anchor currency or reserve currency reserves, and, and it trades freely at that fixed exchange rate. So it can't blow up. There, there's, there's no way that it can blow up. And they never have blown up. There's, there's never been a failure of a fixed exchange rate system that's been introduced via, via a currency board. And you, if you compare that with pegs, pegs always blow up, always blow up eventually. Sometimes they last for a long time. Now, if you take the Gulf states, they, they, like Saudi Arabia, for example, and which you're very familiar with, and, and the United Arab Republic uh, and, and Kuwait, more, more or less, they, they do have pegs. Uh, and they have had them since 
the devaluations in 1986. Remember when OPEC collapsed in 1986, they devalued the Saudi Riel and the, and the Kuwaiti dinar. And, and so those pegs have lasted a long time, but they're, they're very vulnerable because the monetary authorities in Saudi Arabia and, and in Kuwait and, and, and also in the UAE do have the possibility to have discretionary monetary policies. And you could have the exchange rate and the monetary policy becoming into conflict with one and, another. And, and, indeed, and, and indeed, we're actually seeing that because we're seeing activist monetary policy because of COVID-19 um, in, in Saudi Arabia. So it's one of the issues that I have indeed been thinking about is, is, is you know, where you know where issues might, might arise. To to go back to the question of Lebanon now. Now the reserves here become so. The, basically, you you have a you, you you have a fix. A board essentially is fixing, uh, but it's a fixing the the quantity of money, high powered money, to to a level of reserves. Lebanon has a hole. Um, has a has a big financial hole and I see I'm sure you've, you've you obviously have seen the government economic plan and you've been reading a lot of what's what's been going on how you know by by many calculations you know you you would argue that that the central bank has a net negative foreign asset effects position how would you what would you do in a situation where you have a, a big hole, and how would you get the reserves to be able to launch a currency board? Well, the the first question is, well, how how many reserves would you need, and and that depends on where the fixed exchange rate for the currency board is set. So the first thing that must be done is a determination of where to set the uh, the fixed exchange rate. I, I would I've always advocated and, and I and I would in, in the case of Lebanon that at the, the current monetary authority, the central bank would announce that we, we are going to introduce a currency board system and we'll, we'll do that in 30 days. And in the meantime, we're freezing the monetary base in Lebanon, the Lebanese pounds will be no new issues or, 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 or reductions. It will be fixed. And, and we'll let the pound float freely for 30 days. And at the end of that 30-day period, we'll see where the free market price of the Lebanese pound is. And, and we will also make some technical calculations and, and perhaps even have a committee to decide then on, on what, the, what the fixed exchange rate for the currency board and the, and the new Lebanese pound would be. That's what I did in Bulgaria, by the way. We, we let the lev float for 30 days. We, we did some calculations and so forth. And, and at that time, the Deutschmark was going to be the reserve currency. So we then fixed the lev to the uh, what was pretty close to where, where the free market rate had ended up after 30 days. And, and that was the end of the story. It's, it's still, they still have that system in Bulgaria. It's worked perfectly. Uh, and 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 by the way, we now we're getting into the uh, the amount, the quantity of reserves that you need. Well, in Bulgaria, the quantity was pretty small because they they had, had they were engaged in a hyperinflation 
before we put the currency board in in July of 1997, the inflation rate had peaked out in February of 1997 at 242% per month, per month, 242%. So you I had know, a amazing. huge a huge hyperinflation going and and the and the real value of the lev monetary base was it was almost zero you see so 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 there were very few reserves required so that isn't quite the case in in lebanon but it, that that's the procedure and then you would figure yeah. out the amount and 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 this usually isn't a problem for the for the same re for the reason I gave you for Bulgaria, the real the, the, the challenge, is yeah, the, the, the challenge that, though in Lebanon is is freezing the monetary base when when you have a banking crisis, um, and and what that means, right? I mean, there is there is unfortunately this interaction between a a banking crisis and and an FX crisis and a debt crisis, and and. And currently what has been happening, which is why the Lebanese pound in the parallel market has moved as much, is printing currency by the central bank is necessary to enable banks to provide some cash to depositors. Not, not full amounts, but some cash. Well, uh, this is interesting because going back to Bulgaria, I mean, Bulgaria had a... Had a, a a huge banking crisis at the same time they had the hyperinflation and they defaulted on their debt. So, and they defaulted, by the way, on both their external sovereign debt and the internal debt. I mean, they, both of them, they, they, so everything was completely wiped out. And, and these currency boards, by the way, one of the, you, you can put these in, in any environment. I'm going to I'm going to get to your reserve question, Osama, in just a second. But but let me remind you that John Maynard Keynes designed the currency board that was installed in the during the Civil War in Russia. The the the, the whites, the, the hmm. North Russia had to have a currency and, and Keynes was the one who designed the currency and put it in. It worked perfectly during the Civil War. Once the war was ended and the, the whites had been wiped out, the, 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 the currency board ruble was not wiped out because the reserves had been held in gold in London and, and everyone redeemed those currency board rubles. So the, even that one never failed in, in that sense. There was always full redemption of the uh, of the currency but let's get to the reserves your your question i i set the thing up in the process with this bulgarian thing but there there are things that you could do let's say you you determined well we don't have enough reserves to cover a hundred percent of the monetary base then you, you you could do uh what was done in the 19th century in argentina and that is they they started a currency board and that currency board had about 75% coverage of the monetary base, but the rule, so they didn't fulfill the normal orthodox rules for currency boards, but they had the key thing in, in, involved, and that was at the margin, any new pesos that were issued had to be covered 100% with reserves. And so what happened gradually 
they ended up almost getting the full coverage of their monetary base because currency boards always make a profit because you're issuing liabilities that carry no interest and, and all those reserves, 100% reserves that you have, make an interest, make a profit, make seniorage. And so you just squirrel away the seniorage in, the, in that case in Argentina and gradually build up and almost get to 100%. So, so that's the incremental rule. That could be used. The third the, or the, the, the next thing, let's say you had a deficiency. Well, you, you could uh, perhaps get, get grants. That, that, that would be one possibility. Or you might even be able to get a loan from the IMF or the uh, World Bank. And that, that would be, those would be good loans because the loans could be attached to the seniorage profits that the currency board was earning, some of them, and they, they would eventually be paid off. Or, or the, the other thing in Lebanon, I've been thinking about this. Now, the Lebanese are different than most people, as you know, Usama. And that is, the, these people are sharp pencil people when it comes to finance. If, if you go to the Gulf, we mentioned the Gulf, for example, where I, I used to serve on the board of the, of, the, uh, of the Kuwait National Bank, and all, all the high staff members at, at the Kuwait National Bank, they're, they're all Lebanese. They, they all happen to be also... But unfortunately, the, the Lebanese expatriates have, have had their fingers burnt, I think, with making deposits in, in Lebanon recently. So maybe, well, maybe the, they might country, be shy for a while. They might be well, shy now, for a while. Now, now hang, hang on. Hang on. I have the solution. You, 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 <laughs> the solution to that problem is to establish a private, a private currency board. I've advocated this for a long time. Facebook's Libra, by the way, project came very close to being a, 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 a it, it's very much like a currency board, the original scheme that Facebook and Libra had. Uh, it never went any place uh, because I, I don't think they were, were very well advised. They wanted to do a basket of currencies uh, to to back the, Libra that would have been issued by what what really was a private currency board. I mean, that's what it was. So mm -hmm. this is this is where the Lebanese genius comes in because Lebanese expats could say, look, get rid of the central bank, get rid of the government money. Let's have a private Lebanese pound and we will establish a private currency board based on exactly the same principles. I have a constitution. I've already drafted it up. It's it's uh, contained in, in, in a new book that will come out in Arabic. Kurt Schuller and I wrote this book. So that's another possibility. So there, there are ways to deal with, with what appears to be an impossible situation. Well, no, no situations are ever impossible. That, that, that's uh, that's actually that that is very interesting and, and actually I like this idea of a of a private currency board. I I as you know I'm also a fan of of the Swiss National Bank, which is which is a publicly listed bank. And uh, of course, it, that the Swiss National Bank is not a is 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 not a currency board. It's a, it's a central bank with with monetary policy. But but the idea of a central bank function in theory. 
um, if and a private company are not incompatible because yeah yeah if if you if you wanna if you want to maximize profit you wanna maximize seniorage and the way to maximize seniorage is to get people to want to hold your currency i.e. keep inflation low so so the SNB somehow worked in 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 that way. But but then it requires institutions which which Lebanon doesn't yeah, really well, have. Yeah, well, yeah. But the institutions for for the Lebanese thing, because I've drafted the constitution for this. So if, so if a smart Lebanese expat wants to get in touch with me, we we can go. I, I've literally got the paperwork. You mentioned Switzerland. <laughs> you you mentioned Switzerland, Usama. That is the legal house of this private. Lebanese currency board would be the how in, in Switzerland governed under Swiss law. The reserves would be held in Switzerland. The board it would have a five-member board. Two of them would be Lebanese, and three of them would be uh, non-Lebanese, uh, and 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 it would work like a charm, and 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 profit would be guaranteed, uh, obviously. That, that that would be that would be very interesting and that that actually and I'm looking forward to to uh, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners would be looking forward to reading the Arabic version of of your of your uh, constitution and and, the, and and the publication that you're coming out with um, and 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 we'll make sure to share now to step back though for for a second now profit so so this would be a currency project that will generate profit for investors and that's but but there is a you know let's step back and and think of the macro picture a bit you know uh, is having a currency overrated i mean that's that's a that's also a question worth asking uh you know why does lebanon even need a currency it's gonna be a hassle it's gonna be a big deal to establish a currency board to establish a currency credibility and and that credibility is going to come with a with a cost in the form of an additional risk premium attached to whatever assets the Lebanese government any Lebanese government bond that's going to be issued in that currency in the future is going to have some sort of additional risk premium attached because of this because of the lack of credibility you know that's establishing credibility in in own currency why not dollarize why does why why does a, the current country even need a currency well be, before i answer that let me let me make a, just a brief remark about the the preface uh, that you uh, had with regard to this question Osama. uh it, it is true that uh, number number one, you, you can uh, essentially eliminate the risk premium by putting in a currency board, and it's pretty easy to do. I mean, I, I've done this, so it's it's not a it's it's not that big a deal. Let's take Bulgaria. So what what happened, uh, of course, and what would happen if you put in a currency board and kept the Lebanese pound, if that's the way you wanted to go, it would start, of course, and the, the nominal interest rate in in the Leb the new Lebanese pound would 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 be relatively high, but it, you have a hundred percent credibility. The credibility comes because you have a hundred percent reserves backing 
the new Lebanese pound. So if you didn't like the Lebanese pound, if you're worried about credibility and so forth, you take the pound in and exchange it for dollars at the fixed exchange rate, and that would be the end of it. It would be a perfect clone. So the, the arbitrage opportunities are massive when you put in these currency boards initially, like in Bulgaria. The, the interest rates in, in LEV were, were very high on day one when we, when we put this thing in, and there, and there aren't that many rich at that time. This was 1997. There weren't that many rich Bulgarian expats, but there was a lot of money that wanted to ARB, and, and, and it went from low interest yielding German assets, German denominated assets into Bulgarian LEV assets. So the demand for LEV skyrocketed, the reserves skyrocketed immediately. Now, in Lebanon, this would be massive. You have so many rich Lebanese expats who know how to work a financial sharp pencil. This arbitrage would would just be something made in heaven almost. You'd have such a mass of capital going into Lebanon immediately to capture the arbitrage that it would make your head spin. Now, that 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 deals with a preface to your question but the question is well what's so great about having your own currency and in, and in most developing countries they should not have their own currency uh, and and 33 countries don't have their own currencies for example let's take we were talking about Switzerland well, how about Liechtenstein Liechtenstein doesn't have its own currency it's dollarized it, it's it, it it's, uh, it's Swiss franc, guys. It's, yeah, it's, it's, they have that Swiss franc. Yeah. Yeah, they they use a Swissy. So so the only thing they give up by doing that, by the way, is is the profit that they would make if they had a currency board. But that's it. Uh, and 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 in a place like Lebanon, the, the the one advantage in full dollarization would would be that institutionally there there really wouldn't be an institution i mean you'd you'd have no monetary authority and and institutions are fuzzy things in lebanon i mean they're, they're, that's that's the problem and institutions are not solid and they're, they're not solid as a rock now yeah. you could get by with by the way if you had a private currency board that institutional issue would not be a problem you'd you'd be governed under swiss law reserves in switzerland and so forth and so on but but in general i've been involved myself personally in doing two dollarizations in 1999 uh, the rump yugoslavia was composed of serbia and montenegro i was a state counselor in Montenegro and the advisor to President Jukanovic, and we, we decided that what, what the best thing to do to go for independence and to get rid of the hyperinflation associated with the Yugoslav dinar, that we would dump the dinar and make the German mark legal tender. So we we Deutschmarkized <laughs> instead of Swissyized, we Deutschmarkized. <laughs> And, and then in 2001, I did the same thing as the advisor to the finance minister in Ecuador. We, the, 
Ecuadorian Sucre had collapsed once again. And, and we said, OK, let's just bag the whole thing and dollarize the country. And and that's that's what they did in 2001. So in Latin America, we have Panama is, a, is the oldest dollarized system and the most famous one. And then you you have a relatively new one, Ecuador, 2001. 2002, El Salvador dollarized. I mean, so as for, an economy, Lebanon is already pretty dollarized. You know, more than 70% right. of deposits are in dollars uh, or uh, theoretically should be in dollars. And, 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 and prices are quoted in dollars. And people, it, you know, it's, we're, we're more than halfway there. Right. Yeah. 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 More and, than and, right. And 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 if you did dollarize, you you then would eliminate the big risk, and the and the risk was having the central bank in there, playing games with the banks. I mean that that's what got the banks into trouble. I mean the the banks basically, let's face it, they were forced to engage in a Ponzi scheme that was developed by the government and the central bank. And, and, and that's why you say, you, you hesitated, you said, well, they're kind of dollarized. The well, yeah, is, because, because, because the reality is out of the bank. The, the, the reality is that you, had, you have uh, a, a, a debt problem and a regulatory framework that tilted the whole playing field into channeling deposits into government debt. And that's what happened. Right. So and 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 the central bank was tasked with maintaining this this peg. Um, but but what's always fuzzy about Lebanon, and this is the question of institutions, is that it's not clear whose whose decision was maintaining the peg. It was successive governments have, you know, it, and it's just this snowballing of uh, factors that 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 led to see, this. See this, yeah, this, this brought gets, us where we are today. Yeah, this gets to the key point. The key point with, with either a currency board or full dollarization, you, you inject a hard budget constraint into the system, meaning that the fiscal authorities can't lean on a monetary authority and receive credit from it, either directly or indirectly. So that 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 is the key to the whole thing, and that is the reason why the plan, as proposed, will never work, because there is the institutions are very weak in Lebanon, very unstable, and you have to put a hard budget constraint in a system of weak institutions like that, and exactly. if you don't, if if you don't. The government will figure out one way or another to, to get at the monetary authority and and uh, and, and and wreck the thing. And, uh, and that's, so, that, that, that's smart smart finance people figuring out the way around it, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and, yeah, and and and, and you know they, they just they, they know every trick in the book, and if if they don't know every trick in the book, they'll figure out a new trick in the book. So you've been running the Troubled currency project at the Cato Institute, in which you know you you derive inflation estimates based on black market exchange rate movement, which can vary quite considerably from from you know the official inflation rates that that uh, 
are are measured, um, and and this has to do with the with the pass through of of imports, uh, uh, import prices, and such. Uh, Lebanon is not part of this project yet. I'm I'm assuming it's a candidate, and and if it is, uh, uh, have you done any any preliminary calculations regarding what what do you think inflation mi might be today in Lebanon? Yeah, the, the, no, what what you're alluding to, I mean, technically, uh, we we use a purchasing power parity theory to 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 derive implied inflation rates where you have high inflation uh, and 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 obviously weak currencies. So uh, you you motivated me to focus on Lebanon, um, and and I did measure today. Today, the annual inflation rate, the annual implied inflation rate in Lebanon. Are you ready? I hope yes. You're, are you seated? Okay. Tell me. It's it's 184 percent per year. The wow. annual the annual inflation rate in Lebanon is 184 percent. That's now, uh, and 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 the, these calculations, I, I've done a great deal of study with this, and they're they're very very accurate. At inflation rates that are over about 25 percent, the number is very very accurate. So if this this is the inflation right for a basket of everything in the economy, goods, services, assets. Mm -hmm. Every everything is included in this basket. The the majors of purchasing power uses purchasing power parity to estimate an implied inflation rate. So that's the story you, you've got. And, you know, it's and this is this is this is a number that that you know this is where you know policymakers need to focus on bringing this down because as you know one of the things in this government plan is is there's a passing reference to one-off adjustment to public sector salaries based on inflation. But then there is another reference that suggests that this one-off adjustment might be might be reviewed again. So so the reality might be, you know, revisited in a year. So the reality, if we're talking about, you know, pressures to to index government expenditures to inflation, we're 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 heading on a on a on a you know pretty serious trajectory uh pretty pretty damaging trajectory right yeah it, it, right and the the indexation by the way is a loser they've done this a thousand times in latin america and, and of course that's just a license to have permanent inflation yeah indeed Be, because if, because if you index everything you know the, the the central bank can go wild and 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 no one really cares because everything is, is is indexed of course the indexes are never perfect so you have all kinds of people start complaining because they're they they I, had I, something that wasn't indexed quite right i i have i i have lost track with the number of indices that brazil has uh inflation measures that brazil has but uh but there's certainly more than one inflation measure per city in addition to various measures per per yeah. country that that would that that that's also it's not only a license to in in fact have permanent inflation but it, in in Lebanon it would be a license for these sharp pencil people to just absolutely go wild the thing would be it would be so corrupt 
that you could, couldn't believe it. Yeah. So, so we've talked about the currency, and 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 I think this is, and I think your reflections are particularly interesting, and I think it is interesting, especially given given your Bulgaria experience, and and I'm curious to see what what the IMF comes back with in terms of policy recommendations to Lebanon, given that the IMF now has a managing director who is Bulgarian and knows that country pretty well. Um, I hope that she she would heed some of the the experience, think of the, some of the experience, Bulgaria's own success um, right. in, in, in looking at this uh, program. But, but, but by, maybe by the way, by the way, the, the, I, I, that, the, what you just said is correct. I completely agree with you because the, the managing director knows very well what the Bulgarian experience has been. Uh, but the second point is when you go back in history and look at what happened, I, I had written a book with Kurt Schuler in 1991 and, and had been advocating a currency board for Bulgaria ever since communism fell, basically. And and then I wrote a second book with Schuler and then a third book that actually, by the time the hyperinflation broke out in 1996 in Bulgaria, the, our, our book, it's kind of a technical book, it, it was the... It was the top of the bestseller list in Sofia, Bulgaria, the capital of Bulgaria, which was which was amazing. But uh, I, I, I was brought in by the president, Stoyanov, to become his advisor. And, and, and we were moving towards a currency board, finally got the political establishment to say, yes, this is this is what we're going to do in Bulgaria. We're going to put in a currency board. And and the IMF at that time, they they were not for a currency board. But once the local authorities indicated that they did want a currency board, the IMF got on board immediately and uh, and were very helpful in establishing the currency board in Bulgaria. Yeah, so, the, the IMF, I think once there is buy in from from local authorities, the IMF can can be, you know, can, will accommodate um these, these, yeah, the if choice, the, the choice right. of an exchange rate regime is enshrined in the IMF articles of agreement as as a currency, as as a choice of the of is a, a sovereign choice right. uh, for for right. the countries. Um, so so to to step maybe maybe just one one area outside uh, the currency sphere. I, I think given your experience uh, uh, generally in a, in a lot of emerging markets, uh, you know, Lebanon doesn't only have a currency crisis and a debt crisis and a fiscal crisis and a banking crisis, but there is a, there is a common thread, you know, there is dysfunctional institutions, but, but there is lurking beneath the surface of a lot of things is, is, is a corruption problem. And, and, you know, but unlike a lot of countries, Lebanon is not experiencing a revolution or it's not even going to have new elections anytime soon. No one is talking about that, right? It, this is the same actors that were behind, that are behind some of the current corruption issues are not going to disappear from the political landscape. And so, and so, you know, how do you address that? How do you you know, incentivize, uh, you know, put in structures, if you have any thoughts, to to uh, 
recommend as a starting point in order to, to, to begin reducing the opportunities and incentives for corruption. Because to me, this is the only way it's going to work. It can't work by, by, by uh, simply a change of the guard because the guard is there and we're not going to have elections. We have an economic program and, and, and um, the, the political actors remain the same. Well, this is an important question. Um, the first point I'd raise is that um, w without a hard budget constraint, if you have, uh, you, 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 everything will remain the same, you know, the same level of corruption and everything else. Uh, if you put a hard budget constraint in the system, it, it tends to put politicians in a straitjacket in, in the sense that at least they balance the budget. And, yes, <laughs> and, and, and they and they control a rate of growth. As a result of that, they tend to control a rate of growth in the in the government. But so so that's one thing: dollarization and and or a currency board would mitigate to some to some extent the corruption problem. But I think you've got to look at. It's something what what I call the Singapore strategy. I, I like to look at Singapore because Singapore became independent in 1965, and it, and it had uh, tremendous problems and and no resources at all. It had a deep harbor, and that was about it. But it it had a leader who was it turned out to be kind of fantastic. That's Lee Kuan Yew, and Lee Kuan Yew had a five point program. At first, they were going to have stable money in, in, in uh, Singapore, and, and they started, by the way, with a currency board. That's how they started. So you had yeah. point one, stable money. Point two, they weren't going to pass the begging bowl. They were going to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. They, they would not accept foreign aid, IMF money, World Bank money, anything like that. Point three, they would have a, a competitive economy and competitive businesses, and the way they would do that, they would have a low tax regime, light regulation, and completely open trade. The fourth thing is that they would ensure public safety and the protection of private property rights. And five, and in short, the fourth point, they, they would abide by the rule of law. And the fifth point, and this this was critical for Lebanon. They would they would have a, a minimalist government that would be highly professional, run by first class civil servants that, that they were that were paid first class wages. And right now, this is this is very important. This this paying civil servants first class wages because yeah, because it, well, you no, know no, we, we we have a bloated civil service with, that's underpaid, right? So. Right. Yeah. So, so and, and the government is way too big. I, I, I can't. I, I, yes. as I recall a government that is about 30 percent of GDP or something there about Singapore, even today is 20 percent. So there, yeah. there's a lot of things to cut. Now, the competency and, and, and by the way, corruption, that was part of the civil service thing, a lean and mean government and and, and corruption. Corruption was completely prohibited. I mean, if if you get caught for corruption in, in Singapore, you're you're going to be behind bars in a in a hurry. Uh, and the first, if I part, recall, if if I recall correctly, Singapore also placed a 
a a court that that reviewed corruption cases in the UK to avoid judges being uh, uh, being threatened, right? So so they had in the UK under Singapore law a, a Singaporean court for a while that treated some of the more high profile or risky corruption cases in order to avoid having the judges in Singapore be be threatened. Am, am I? I, I, I that I, I'm not I don't I don't know that particular uh, aspect of history. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I just don't factually know uh, know anything about it. But but the point your your point about first class wages, by the way, uh, you, the minister of finance now it, it, he's his annual salary is 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 approaching, and this is without fringe benefits or anything else, one and one and a half million dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are these are first class professionals. This this thing is is run like a first class business. The the government in Singapore. Yeah, yeah. Very 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 high standards. And 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 the thing about Lebanon that's kind of it would make it similar in a way. There there are high qualified people in in Lebanon. That that's not an issue. I mean, you you if if you paid them, you could get them. Sure. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Steve. Um, it's uh, always great to exchange thoughts and, and to think of some of the, the big challenges uh, Lebanon faces. Um, I, hope, uh, I hope people are listening in Beirut, and, and I look forward to, to sharing your new book in Arabic as well. Um, with with friends uh, back in Lebanon, um, and um, and look forward to, you know, for having future discussions with you. Yeah, I think what we should do is the, the our top priority, Osama, should be a rendezvous in Beirut. Absolutely, absolutely. Once <laughs> once we can travel, once yeah. we can travel, that 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 would be uh, long overdue, long overdue. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Great to be with you. Thank you for inviting. Me. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. Clients of Parkview may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.